Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, welcome to another episode of the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're live with you from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Monday through Friday. And we are hoping that you're having a fantastic start to your Wednesday and hope that we can just be an enhancement to that. Uh, we're going to start off our morning with prayer and then we're going to jump right into uh, our word for this morning. Uh, coming out of Psalm 139 in hopes that this will in encourage and inspire the body of believers. Uh, drop down in the comment box if you have any questions or concerns um, and we'll be more than happy to jump um, into our questions uh, later on in the show. Uh, so feel free to go ahead and drop in that comment box with any questions or concerns that you may have. Uh, and, and anyone is welcome to ask, to ask a question. So don't feel like you are excluded from this live service. Uh, you are able to come in and jump in as often as you'd like to tell us anything that's on your mind. Just remember to keep it classy. Uh, just keep just keep it classy so that way, um, you know, we can keep the uh, the chat box going and we can keep this live going. Uh, but we're going to start off with prayer and then we're going to jump right into our word for this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. We're thankful, Lord God, that you thought it not robbery to give us this opportunity to be able to worship you in spirit and truth. We're asking, Lord God, that you just continue to saturate us with your presence, to saturate us with your love, with your grace, with your thanksgiving. We're asking, Lord God, that you just look upon your people on today. And encourage and inspire us to continue to grow and be molded and shaped in you. Uh, Lord God, you have given us the Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us into all truth and understanding. And asking, Lord, that you just continue to help us to dive into your word and to dive into more of who you are. That we may grow to be the children of God that you have called us to be and walk in our inheritance, Lord God, as the heirs of God and the joint heirs with Christ. We're asking, Lord God, that you that you remind us of who we are in you and let that be of the uppermost of our affections and the uppermost of our allegiances. Uh, Lord God, that you um, that you just continue to remind us over and over again of our need for you, uh, for our soul's inner longing for you and that we pursue you more than anything else in this world. Uh, that no um, job, no career, no spouse, no uh, kid, no house, no vacation, no good time uh, could ever be more um, than who you are in us, Lord God. And so we ask that you just continue to put the, the desire to, to, to in the hunger and the thirst for you to continue just to, to reign in our hearts that it pushes us to want to be more like you and pushes us to want to know more about you and pushes us to want to grow closer to you and pushes us to want to just be saturated with you, um, that you be above, below, inside and outside of everything that we say and everything that we do and everything that we involve ourselves in so that God you are you are the in the you are preeminent in everything in our lives and we'll be so careful to give your name all praise glory honor and to thank Jesus Christ for paving the way for us by dying on the cross rising again um in crediting us with his righteousness uh that we may be called the sons and daughters of God upon repentance and belief all these things we ask in your son Jesus name amen <laughs> All right, let's jump into this word today. Um, so yesterday, uh, a question was asked 
um, on the um, show, and I wanted to reserve the answer for that question today. Um, the question was asked, what loving father would never be present? Um, and in this, this person was referring to God um, and saying, you know, what loving father, if, if God loves us, it was an if God then um, type of question. Um, and the question was, what loving father would never be present? And for this, I wanted to go into Psalm 139, um, as it says to us in those words. Um, I'm going to start um, at verse number six and work my way down um, to verse thir to, to verse uh, 16. Um, it says, I'm starting, no, I'm starting at verse four. Even before a word is on my tongue, oh, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, there you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me by night, even the darkness is not dark to you, for night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you, when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. And then I'm going to read 17, 18. Uh, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Um, <clears throat> this is telling us today that God is everywhere. God is ever present. Um, God is everywhere all at the same time. There's nowhere that we can go that we escape the hand of God. There's nowhere that we could turn where God is not. Wherever we find ourselves at, God is right there. I tell, the, I tell us all the time, for us to fully ascertain the presence of God, we have to be connected to God. For God is not a God of feeling. God is a God that is a spirit. And in order for us to fully ascertain the presence of God, we must be connected to the spirit of God. For most of us uh, who question God's existence, we question it because we're not connected to him. We question it because a lot of times we don't feel his presence. We, we, don't, we don't feel his presence like we would feel a, per, a person body up next to us. We don't feel his presence. But when we're connected to him in the spirit, we can sense his spirit in the spirit. 
and it can it will sometimes connect to us in our feelings where we feel the presence of God, where we can say we just felt something just kind of come over us and we felt like something just kind of rushed into us. Like I had a person yesterday who was telling me that he was praying to God and every time that he prays to God, you know, he just something just comes over him. That feeling that comes over him is a rush of the Holy Spirit that is igniting his heart and igniting his mind and igniting his being. And the only way that we know how to describe it is to describe it in the natural that we feel the presence of God. But that feeling that we feel is something that is happening spiritually and supernaturally that is <clears throat> sometimes inexplainable for us outside of, you know, any way of knowing, of any way of saying, I felt the presence of God. Um, and so for a lot of us, the reason why we don't feel God or we don't feel like he's there is because we are not connected to him. But when we are connected to God and we have a relationship with God by virtue of Jesus Christ and believing in him and having a, and, and repenting toward him and having the Holy Spirit imbued within us, we are able to say like the um, like the like the psalmist David here says, where can I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me by night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as, is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. And he further goes to say in verse 18, I awake and I am still with you. There is a sense that we have that no matter where we go, God is always there. No matter where we find ourselves, no matter where we turn, we God is always right there. That every, no matter where we go, no matter what we do, no matter where we're at, no matter what location, he is there. You know, some of us sometimes will joke and talk about the fact that, you know, um, we see the you know, places of debauchery, for instance, and we'd be like, there ain't no way God's up in there. But God is, but God reminds us and lets us know that there is no place in this world that he can't be. You know, if he wants to, he can be anywhere, everywhere, all at once, all at the same time. And as a result, there's no place that we can go where we can escape the presence of God. God is always there. And so for the believer, we know and we can feel in our spirit that God is everywhere. For the unbeliever, there is a, an intrinsic knowledge that God is there. And there is a, a sense that in order for us to in order for us to do what we want to do, we will sometimes have to push ourselves away from God or jump over the cross and over to do in order to do what we want to do. I remember watching this movie and I can't remember I can't remember which one it's I can't remember what it's called, but there was this guy and girl and they were getting ready to, you know, get a freak on, about to get about, about to get it on. 
and you know they're not married i don't i don't know if they were in a relationship but you know she looked up and she saw she it was on her nice either on her nightstand or she either looked up on her wall and she saw a cross and when she saw the cross she had to pull it down move it to the side push it away or whatever in order to do what she was about to do with this dude and so there's an intrinsic knowledge that God is present with us even when we don't believe in him sometimes. And as a result, to do what we want to do, we have to step over, push away, or distance ourselves from God in order to go about doing what we, what we, what we intrinsically know that we ought not do. In the book of Romans, uh, Paul speaks of this when he talks to regardless of whether we're believers or unbelievers that we that we have to, you know, do again, whatever we have to do, push God away in order to do the things that we want to do. When he says for the wrath of God, this is Romans chapter one, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were, th were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of God, of the immortal God, for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. If we skip to chapter 2, he says, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things we know that the judgment of god falls on those who practice such things do you suppose O oh man you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself that you will escape the judgment of god or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience not knowing that god's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance that because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And so we're, we're without excuse. We're without excuse that, you know, if we find ourselves, you know, um, you know, doing what we want to do that is contrary to the will of God, we, we have an intrinsic knowledge of God's presence around us. We might not feel him, but we know he's there. We may not be able to, you know, embrace it, but we know he's there. <clears throat> and so there's an intrinsic knowledge within every person and every believer that God is there. And so when this person asks the question, what loving father would never be present? I don't, I don't know. Because the one, the God that we serve, our father is always present. He's always near. He's always with us. He's always around us. He's always in us. And we can't escape him. The problem is that we probably we want God to show up the way that we want him to. And when he doesn't show up the way that we want him to, we decide that he must not be worth serving because he isn't showing up the way that I want him to. If we go to Psalm 42, 
we find that even believers sometimes will feel this way. So you're so even unbelievers are in good company when it comes to feeling like sometimes God ain't showing up the way that we like. He says, um, uh, um, ma uh, a mascal of the sons of Korah said like said it like this: As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear for, before and appear before God? Uh, my tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts of and, song, and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise him again, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By the day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock. And here it is. Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with, the, as with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Asaph said something similar in Psalm 73 when he said, Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death, their bodies are fat and sleek, they are not in trouble as others are, they are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore pride is their necklace, violence covers them as a garment, their eyes swell out through fatness, their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, How can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase their riches. All in vain I have kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Truly you set them in slippery places, you make them fall to ruin, how they are destroyed in a moment, swept utterly away by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and arrogant, I was like a beast toward you. 
Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You shall put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord my God, my met my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. So sometimes we as believers will feel as though God is not there. Sometimes we will feel in our spirit, in our flesh, that God is not near us. You know, sometimes we will feel as though God has just forgotten all about us, that, you know, we're going through our trials and going through our tribulations and we're seeing everybody else getting theirs, everybody else getting that bag, everybody else getting that boo, everybody else getting, you know, their blessings. And while we're sitting here going through trials and going through tribulations and struggling and suffering and, and, and we just feel like sometimes, God, where you at, bruh? Like where where are you? Like you know what's going on? Why why is everybody else getting theirs and I'm and I'm sitting here struggling? Why is everybody getting theirs and I'm sitting here you know you know putting pennies together? You know why is everybody else getting theirs and it just seems like I I don't have I got nothing compared to everybody else in the world? You know and in those moments when we feel like God has let us down. In those moments when we have lost loved ones and we've lost people who who we feel are good people who didn't deserve to go, who didn't deserve to die, didn't deserve to go away, you know, when we lose, you know, relationships or we're going through the struggle and we're going through suffering, we sometimes feel like God has abandoned us. We feel like God has left us. We feel like God is nowhere to be found. We feel like God must not love me because if he loved me, he wouldn't allow this to happen to me. You know, it's all about me, 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 me and what I want and how I feel and how I feel God is supposed to be and how he's supposed to act and what he's supposed to be accomplishing in my life. And when we get and, we, and again, we as believers can feel like that sometimes because we feel like we deserve this and we deserve that. And sometimes we've heard pastors talk about being the head and not the tail above and not beneath first and not the last lenders and not the borrowers. And we're like, OK, so when is it my turn? When am I supposed to get my comeuppance? When am I supposed to be, you know, the one that's on top? Like, you know, like God is doing a pyramid scheme thing. And at some point, I'm supposed to be on the top of the pyramid getting all the goodies from everybody. But God reminds us time and again that the relationship that he has with us is more so about our spirit man being blessed more so than our physical man being blessed. That it's not about trying to rise up in this tier of success um, in this world and getting all of our dreams and all of our riches coming true, but rather he is empowering our spirit. He is enlivening our spirit. He is making our spirit man more He's making our spirit man better that this life that we live is not about the physical, but it's all about the spiritual. And the more we are connected to God and the more that we are spiritually in tune with God, the more we will see and understand and realize that God is a spirit. And in because he's a spirit, he must be he must be worshiped in spirit and truth that as a, and as a result of that we will always know in our spirit that God is here that God is present that God is active even when it doesn't 
feel like he's there. And so again, the question asks, you know, wh uh, why why would loving God would never be present? I don't I don't know because the God that I serve, the Father of my soul, He's always present. He He promised that in His Word that He's always present, even when we can't feel fleshly that He's there. Our spirit knows He's always there. We have the Holy Spirit living in us that reminds us from one moment to the next that God is always here. He is always present. By virtue of the Holy Spirit living in us, that makes God with us by default. One of the names for Christ is Emmanuel, God with us. He's always here. He promised us that he would never leave nor forsake us. He promised us that he is with us always, even to the end of the age. He promised us that he would send us the Holy Spirit that would, that would lead, that would guide, that would comfort, that would convict, that would empower, that would encourage, that would remind us. And because of that, we always have God with us. If, if we're believers, for sure enough, God is always with us. But even if he's not, even if we're not a believer, if you're, even if you're not a believer, God is still with you for it says in the word that um that it that it rains on the just as well as the unjust and for that um reference I'm going to look it up really quickly cuz I can't remember where it is um rains on just and there we go Matthew chapter um Matthew chapter 5 Matthew chapter 5 says, um, in verse, starting with verse 43, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as as is as your heavenly Father is perfect. And so even again, God is telling us that he takes care of his people, regardless of whether they have a relationship with him or not. You know, he, 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 he governs everything. His hand is in everything, you know, and again, sometimes we go through trials and sometimes we go through tribulations, but God's presence is everywhere all at the same time. And so we, as the people of God can rest in the comfort of knowing that God has not abandoned us. God is not, you know, just some ethereal being that's just sitting high and just looking, looking down upon us and it's absent. Some people have said this 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 statement that God God's um, often mo the most silent during the test, um, but I'm a firm I don't I don't prescribe to that, and the reason I don't prescribe to that is because the Holy Spirit is always in us, and the Holy Spirit's always reminding us of who Christ is and what Christ has accomplished for us, and because the Holy Spirit is God, the Holy Spirit can't be silent. So God can't be silent. Sometimes we just have a hard time hearing him because the Holy Spirit is not saying what we want him to say.
we got to remember that the Holy Spirit is not, um, is not, a, he's, he's not, a, his, his allegiance is not to us. His allegiance is to God for the Holy Spirit is God. And as a result, sometimes the Holy Spirit will tell us what we need to hear and it don't sound like what we want to hear. So we feel like God's not talking to us. But in reality, God is always speaking to us. We just have to have an ear to hear what he is saying to us, regardless of the circumstances around us and regardless of whether or not we want to hear it or not. Because at the end of the day, God is always with us and God always knows best. There are times even when we're praying that the Holy Spirit will clean up our prayers to pray the prayers that we ought to pray um, so that God's will can be done and manifest in the earth. As it says in Romans chapter 8, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we know, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for His for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. So even there'll be times where we are praying prayers, and it's like, God, you know, can I have this? Can I have that? Can I get this? Can I get that? Can this happen for me? Can that happen for me? And the Holy Spirit is praying the prayers that we ought to pray, saying, basically, God, let your will be done. Don't, 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 don't be listening. Don't, we're not listening to this prayer here, because this is outside of the will. This is outside of what you want. Make sure to keep that door closed. This is not where he needs to be. This is not where she needs to go. Um, we're sending them in this direction. We're pushing them this way. We're not getting them, giving them this thing. We're giving them this thing instead, because thy will, we, we want thy will to be done. The prayer, the prayer that we ought to be praying every single day as we ask for God, ask God for the things that we want should be nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And so again, let me say in saying all of that, I'm saying that, you know, for the believers, we may not feel the presence of God, the presence of God everywhere, um, everywhere that we go. And in every situation or circumstance that we're in, but we, for the believer, again, this is for the believers. We know that God is always here, that the heavenly father that we worship is always present with us. We may not feel him in the natural. We may not feel his presence in the natural, but we're, we're rarely supposed to. We're always going to feel it in the spirit. And it may come over us, and the only way to describe it is to how we feel the presence of God. But that feeling is not a natural feeling. It is a spiritual feeling that only the believers can ascertain in so much that God moves in us in such a way that we our spirits can feel it. And that reminds us and lets us know by virtue of the Holy Spirit that there is nowhere that we can go that God is not, that God is always here, he is always with us, that he promised us that he would never leave nor forsake us, and that he promised us that, um, that, um, that he's with us even to the end of the age. And even though it may feel like everybody else is getting theirs and we're still struggling trying to get ours, you know, that is not an indication of the absence of God. It may be an indica- indication of a disconnection between us and him, 
but it is definitely not an indication of his absence because until this world is passed away and the new world has come, God is ever present everywhere. Um, he is God. And as a result, you know, he is, he is everywhere all at the same time. The question is, do you feel connected to him? And if you don't feel connected to him, maybe it's time for you and God to have a conversation with one another so that you can begin the you can begin your journey with him and actually feel his presence in a way that you've never felt his presence before and know for certain that God had that God is here um because again as Jesus and and John you know and everybody else after that you know have been saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is here the kingdom of heaven is nigh the he the kingdom of heaven is near you know, the violence, uh, the, the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Like the kingdom has come and anyone who wants this kingdom can have it upon repentance and belief. And so, again, God hasn't God hasn't abandoned us. Our loving father is here. We just have to have the spiritual discernment to feel his presence in the spirit and in feeling his presence in the spirit regardless of the circumstances of our lives, whether we're good or whether we're bad, whether we got a lot, whether we're in need, whether we have a whole lot, whether we have a very little, you know, whether we're living in a cardboard box or we're living in a mansion, um, God, we know for the believer is always with us. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're live Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I certainly thank you guys for the 444 likes so far that we've received. Going to scroll down and look at these comments and see what's going on in the comment box. Um, let's see what's going on. Um, Bridget Bronner asks, do I believe in the doctrine of eternal security? Um, I, I, I don't know what the doctrine of eternal security is verbatim. Uh, but what I do have is a thing called Google. So I'm going to look that thing up real quick and see what's going on there. Doc, doctrine of, oh, hold on. Doc, oh my gosh. Trend of eternal security. What is that? <clears throat> what save, always save. Um, so I do. Um, I do believe in, um, you know, once saved, always saved, but I don't, but I, what I don't believe in is cheap grace. Uh, cause some people will sometimes, will sometimes feel like, well, if we once saved, always saved. And that means that, you know, no matter what you do, that's wrong. That means that you're always going to be in the kingdom. I don't prescribe to cheap grace. I do prescribe in once saved, always saved for this reason. God knows who's his. And God is the one who does the saving. See, when we we can give our hand to the pastor and give our heart to God during an altar call, right? Uh, but even people who go to an altar call, they can say they want to be saved, but even after the altar call is over, their hearts are still so far away from God. That giving your hand to the church and giving your heart to God in a ceremony is not an indication of salvation. For some people it is, but for many people it's not. And so when God saves, when God ransoms, when God transforms the heart of stone and turns it into a heart of flesh, that's God's work. And I believe that when God does that work, 
in his own, from his own mouth, he said, those who are mine, no one can take them out of my hand. The only person who can take them out of his hand is Christ himself. If that's what he, if that's what he chooses to do. And so I don't get in God's business. That's God's work. So if you say that you are a believer in Christ, if you believe with your mouth that you, that, um, you believe with your mouth, confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is the son of God and God raised him from the dead, you are saved. That's according to the word. And you can only say that and believe it in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus himself said to Peter, as Peter confessed that he was Christ, the son of the living God, he said to Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but by the Holy Spirit. And so in order for the Holy Spirit to reveal that, you got to have a connection, right? And so, again, for the believer, if, 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 you are, if, if you are in the body of Christ, and again, that's God's work, not our work, then once you're in, you're in. Now, can you lose your salvation? That is not for me to say. Because again, according to the word, if you're in the kingdom, then can't nobody take you out of his hand except Christ himself. So, you know, again, I don't prescribe to the you can lose your faith and lose your salvation. Um, I do believe that you can have a very shallow faith in God. I do believe in that. I do believe that some of us will never know the true riches of our relationship with Jesus Christ until Christ come back and get us. And we're just going to be sitting like, man, dude, if I just really, really connected with God, you know, I, I could have known so much more about him. I could have learned so much more about him. I didn't know that it was going to be like this and da, 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 da. You know, I do believe that we can grow in our depth of who he is. But um, do I believe that you can if you you can lose your salvation just as easily as you got it i don't feel like it's that simple um and the way that then because in the way that the bit the way to best describe it my gosh um is to go to um let me see hold on to go to Luke 15 as it talks about the parable of the prodigal son <clears throat> starting at verse 17 when he came to himself talking about the 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 one we call prodigal the one who left um the one who left and went to go do what he wanted to do when he came to himself he said how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. 
just because the the prodigal son, the one who went away, the wandering son went away, his sonship was never diminished. The the dad never disowned his son. And that is the nature of the relationship that we have with God. Yes, we may stray because none of us are perfect. All of us are going to sin and fall short of the glory of God. We're going to stray away sometimes. You know, we're going to make mistakes. We're not going to get it right all the time. Some of us, when we first get into this relationship with God, do we got a whole lot of sin we got to get off of us. You know, some of us get into this kingdom and we still look like and still act like, you know, we might be a part of the world still. But Rome ain't built in a day and sanctification is a process. And even in the midst of sanctification, there will be times where we get weak in our in our walk with him and we don't do what we're supposed to do. We don't act how we're supposed to act. We don't think like we're supposed to think. We don't say like things that we're supposed to say. Sometimes we will fall out of line and fall short of God's glory. And as a result, we, the believers, we will we have to be ever so careful that we're not being judgmental of those who are going through said walk. Because all of us have gone through the same thing. We've all been that prodigal son. We've all been both of the sons, really. We've been the one who wandered, and we've been the one who judged. But never, and nevertheless, we were never disowned by God. God never disowned us. And <clears throat> what Christ is saying to us today is that if you are in the kingdom, I'm not going to disown you. I'm going to chastise the mess out of you. To try to get you to where you where where you try to get you realigned with me. You're all the way over here, and I'm over here. I'm gonna need to get you to line back up with me. But I'm not gonna disown you. Because what good father disowns his children? We're gonna chastise the mess out of you if you acting like you ain't you acting like you ain't how you ain't supposed to act. But I'm not gonna disown you. You know, just because you wandered off don't mean that I disowned you. You were faithless, says God. But I'm faithful, says God. And so sometimes it'll, it, you know, you know, it'll feel like, man, there they ain't no way that person can have a walk with God, have a relationship with God. But again, you know, they may very well have a walk with God. But just because we have a walk with God does not mean that we can just do whatever we want to do. And that's why some people get afraid of the whole once saved, always saved mantra, because they feel like it gives people a blanket, um, a blanket a blanket um stuck a blanket covering to just do whatever they want to do in Romans chapter um 6 Paul says um starting at verse 1 what shall we say then are we to continue in sin that grace may abound by no means how can we who died to sin still live in it do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death we were buried Therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Hallelujah. 
For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So for all, but the life, um, so, so you must also, oh my God, words, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one to whom you obey, either of sin which leads to death, or of obedience which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and have been having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness leading to more lawlessness so now present uh, your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification for when when you you were slaves to sin you were free in regard to righteousness but what fruit were you getting at the time from the things of which you are now ashamed for the end of those things is death but now you have been set free from sin and now and now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so God again is saying to us that once you're in the kingdom, you're in the kingdom and that salvation is free. But that salvation should start then leading to sanctification. Like you are no longer presenting your members to sin just because you have been forgiven of your sins and have been given grace. That should compel our hearts by virtue of the Holy Spirit living in us and the heart of stone being removed and the heart of flesh being placed inside of us to now start living a life for God and presenting our bodies as instruments of righteousness. And so, no, again, I don't believe that you can lose your salvation just as easily as you can get it because God has to transform that heart. But I'm also a firm believer that now that you have grace, that's not a license to sin. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be given a grace-driven effort to then live a life for God, free from the fear of making mistakes and being sent to hell because Christ died for all sin, but having a desire to love God in such a way to where we go our way and sin no more. Like we do everything in our power, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to live a life of righteousness and to not just go about just doing whatever we want to do because God forgives, God's got me, God's going to take care of me, God's got, I'm saved, so I can do whatever I want to do, only God can judge me, you know, I can live how I want to. God forgives. God gives grace. God allows us to do whatever we want to do. No, it doesn't. It doesn't work that way. We can't just do what we want to do. We got to be ever so careful and ever so mindful that 
that, you know, we cannot cheapen the grace of God by doing whatever we want to do and just putting out a blanket saying, well, God forgives, you know, God, you know, God forgives because that might actually be an indication if you're still living in wanton sin that God has not transformed your heart. And that's why I said it ain't for me to say whether a person's in the kingdom or not. I'm a fruit inspector and it'll be, and I'll raise questions, but I'm not a fruit inspector, but I'm, but I am not, I'm not a judge. I'm just an inspector. And so if your fruit's not looking fruity, let's go have a conversation. But I'm in no place to judge anyone's walk with God because there are people who have some steep faith in God. And there's going to be some people who have some severely shallow faith in God. But God said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. If you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And so if God says that all you need is a little bit of faith, then, hey, who am I to say if anyone is, is, is a part of the kingdom or not? Again, all I can do is inspect the fruit and, and, and raise questions based upon the fruit that I see. And if that fruit is not looking fruity, we need to have a conversation about a conversation. But I, again, am in no way to tell a person whether they are or aren't in the kingdom. And that's God's work. And I stand out of God's way and let God be God and I be me. Because, again, I don't have a heaven or a hell to put anybody in. All I can do is look at the fruit and ask and ask the question, are you sure you're in the kingdom? Because if you're in the kingdom, kingdom folk don't act like that. Kingdom folk don't talk like that. Kingdom folk don't think like that. And so, again, that is how that's how eternal security works for me. I believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. But I also believe that you cannot cheapen the grace of God. That the grace that God has given us should compel us and propel us to live a life for God by virtue of what he has done in our hearts and in our minds. Now, if God so decides to pluck you out of the kingdom, that's God's business, not mine. But and so again, you know, as it, as it says in the word, you can't just become a believer and then just go about wantonly sinning like being a Christian is not a label. No, it's a it's a whole transformation. Being, being a Christian is not a label that we wear. It's not a badge that we wear. And we say, look, I got my Christian badge. No, it's an entire heart transformation that changes us from the inside out. And so, again, do I believe in um eternal doctrine, the doctrine of eternal security? Yes, I guess I do. Um, but again, I also do not believe in cheap grace. Like if you are if you are saved, that grace is supposed to compel you to move forward in such a way to where you are living and patterning yourself after the Almighty God. Um, I'm gonna be right back. I need to do something. You are watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Monday through Friday, Eastern Standard Time. Um, and we are grateful for the 451 likes that we have received thus far on the show. 
so grateful um, that we are um, able to be live with you guys. Whew, trying to catch my breath because I'm trying to get back over here. Whoo, Jesus. And so grateful um, that all of you guys have been um, willing to be on with me thus far and grateful that you spend a little bit of time with your boy right here on the tickety top because uh, you guys could be virtually anywhere doing anything with anybody else. And yet you have decided um, you have decided to spend a little bit of time with your boy. And for that, I am grateful. Getting back down into these comments um, to see, you know, um, um, let's see what's going on here. Um, is this like I feel of wavering, compromising? Um, I'm looking, um, The Lady Quest Fire said, out of the 5,000 religions, this is the one that has built-in hypocrisy. Yeah, okay. Um, I see y'all were having a really good conversation in this. Um, what's the plan Get to get rich aside from praying? Um, we're not going to go there. Um, let's see. Uh, Matt Flynn is still mad at us for being on TikTok, so gonna leave. So go get him out of the phone out of here. Still upset. Um, let me back up. Kiki being nasty. Okay. Um, let me go back up to where I was. Here we go. Okay. Um, my favorite DC comic book, um, I'm a Batman fan in the DC unit. Um, China asked to please pray for, um, me for directions. We got you, got you covered. Let's see. Do you think the disciples got jealous when Jesus gave one more attention than other? Um, was he clicky? Oh, that's a good question, actually. Um, and the Bible actually addresses that. Um, let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, let me see if I can find it. Matter of fact, here we go. Let me put it in here. <clears throat> Matthew. Oh, I was close. Oh, I was close. Here we go. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, starting with verse 20. 2020. He says, then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, 
one at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? Then, he, then they said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the 10 heard it, the other 10, because there were 12 of them, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever will be great among you, you must, must be great among you, must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, you you know how we as people do. Let's let's can we call it? We are always trying to be one above somebody else, boy. Like we we can't help it. We we want to be we want to be an authority. Some of us want to rule. Some of us want to take over. We want to be the master and commander. You know, we want to tell people what to do. We want power. We want prestige. We want riches. Like all of us in some way, shape, or form want to be the master and commander of our destinies, man. You know, it's and call me a hypocrite if you like, but part of the reason why a lot of us got these TikTok platforms because for the first time ever, we finally can say what we want to say and we have a following and people want to follow us. And so we, now we feel like we got a little bit of authority and, and, and are able to go and, um, and, 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 and say how we say what we want to say, when we want to say it, how we want to say it, and can't nobody shut us up. As a matter of fact, um, at one time, you know, I was wanting to have a conversation with somebody that was on a TikTok live and, and she flat told me, told me, no, I don't want to no, know. This is my life. This is my life. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to, I don't want to speak to you, but thank you for asking though. I appreciate you. Um, and so, um, for many of us, we want to be in a seat so badly. We want to be in a seat of authority so badly, um, so yeah, no, the disciples were no different for us, than us. They were jockeying for position, jockeying for power, jockeying for prestige. You got to remember, no one really understood what Jesus was up to until well after he ascended into heaven. And the Holy Spirit came down and imbued, uh, you know, those disciples with the power. And they were like, oh, shoot, okay, we get it now. We get it now. We really, really, we got it before, but we got it now. You know, they were thinking Jesus was coming down to go reign you know, a thousand years here on earth. And that's not so, at least it wasn't right then. And so the mom comes and like, listen, I want my son to be at your left hand and right hand when it's all said and done, you know, come on, man, you know, let's make it so, let's make it where they're, they're the viceroys of you. You know what I'm saying? We believing in you. We believing in what you're doing. You know, we stand with you. You know, we just, when, when you make it happen, make it happen. You know what I'm saying? And Jesus was like, you know, that ain't that ain't for me to do. That's that's God. God already know who gonna be there. Like that's not mine to give. Like I I do what the Father says, and you know that's not my place to tell who's gonna be sitting in my left my left hand and my right. You know, and they say they can drink this cup, but you know, and they and they will when it's time, but they don't know what they asking for. And yeah, those other ten got upset. 
Especially, I bet you Peter was the most upset because he's like, dude, how dare you? I've been the one that's been rocking with Jesus the whole, the, more than anybody else. I've been standing with him this entire time. You know, I've been with him, you know, me and John and James, we've been standing with him this whole time. And how dare y'all ask, you know, to, to be at his left and his right. I should be at the left. I should be at the right. You know, I'm pretty sure they were having a whole little, you know, pity party and, 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 and wanting to raise up arms and wanting to put somebody in a pit, much like Joseph, you know, because that's how we people do. We, we, we get jealous, jelly of this person, jelly of that person, wanting, you know, this person's money, this person's wealth, this person's fame. You know how we do as people. Come on now. There ain't nothing new under the sun. And so Jesus had to sit him down and tell him, just like, just like he says in verse 25, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, that then their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. At the church I used to pastor, we tried to, we tried to explain and demonstrate this to the people there. Um, for those who have never been to like a southern, who've never been to a, um, um, have never been to church, let alone a black church. Um, some churches have it set up where their pastors are treated like kings. They're, 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 the pastor's wives are treated like queens. And they, 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 they give them the best food every time there's a food function going on. You know, they sit them at a, a table with a spread for days. Um, they give them lavish gifts during Christmas, during pastor's anniversaries, um, which... Um, and they get during pastors' anniversaries, uh, church anniversaries, um, birthdays, Christmases. Like they're always just giving all these lavish things to their pastor, and they claim it is take care of your pastor. You know, we want to take care of the pastor. We want to make sure he knows that he's loved, and make sure that he knows that he's appreciated. And we want to be blessed by God. And if we give to the pastor, then God's gonna bless us abundantly. You know, exceedingly above all that we can ask or think. And so we have this idea in our minds that, you know, that, you know, that we're supposed to sit up and be like kings. Um, and so for me, I'm reading all throughout scripture where it says, you know, if you're going to be great in the kingdom, you got to be like a servant. And so I prescribed a different, a different um, mentality that, no, I'm not going to eat first. Everybody else is going to eat first. And then if there's anything left, let me have that. You know, it, it, we're we going to serve. We're going to make sure everybody else is good. Everybody else is okay. There's no pastor's table. There's no, there's no, there's no pastor's seat. No, we're all, we're all, we're, we're equal in the eyes of God. I'm just playing a position, but we're all on the same team. And I'm, I want to make sure everybody else is good long before I, you know, am served at all. Because if, you know, like Christ said, if you're going to be great, you gotta, you gotta be like a servant. And for the life of them, they could not wrap their minds around that. They wanted so badly to serve the pastor that to see a pastor serving felt felt like, um, you know, they felt like, oh, my God, I can't believe that you would do that. I can't believe that that we have our 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 first lady in the kitchen washing dishes that just that just seems so beneath us to do something like that. But when, again, looking through our scripture, it's like, bruh, that's all that Jesus was doing. He was washing the disciples' feet. He was serving tables. He was helping them. Like, 
you know, they were doing all of this. They were doing this stuff. Like, this is what people were doing. This is what Christ himself was doing. So why does it seem strange that, you know, a pastor and his wife want to serve? If anything, you should be like, oh, thank God. Okay. I don't have to, oh, I don't, I don't have to, you know, go out of my way. I ain't got to buy no gifts. I ain't got to put them at the table. I ain't got to do none of that stuff. I can just sit down and I can, you know, and, and I can be served. Wow, this is, this is different. This is, and I like it. Like, it's great, you know. And so, again, you know, we as the people of God, we can get so wrapped up into power structures that we feel out of place and out of sort when God tries to up, when God flips that thing around. And that's what he was telling his disciples here. Like, yeah, you may feel like, you know, you, you, you want to be in this seat, but do you really have what it takes to be in this seat? Do you really have the humility required to be in this seat? Because to be in this seat, you actually need to serve, not be served. You, you're exercising authority, but your authority comes through service, not through sitting down like a tyrant or sitting down like a king. And so for, for, so for those boys, they found themselves in that same kind of locked in mentality of I'm trying to jockey for a position. And again, some, most of us are no, no different. We're climbing ladders, trying to jockey for position. We're in our churches right now, trying to get as close as we can to the pastor to try to jockey for a position. You know, that's what we all, we all try to do that. But God tells us, if you want to be great in the kingdom, serve. If you want to be great in the kingdom, do, um, you know, do the works, do the works, help others, serve others. Greatness in the kingdom is not measured by how much power you have. It's measured by what you're, what the heart that you have for people and what you're willing and ready to do for them, to advocate for them, to be there for them, to stand in the gap for them, to pray for them, to help them along the way. And so, you know, they, they too had, they too had that issue. They, they wanted power. They wanted authority. They wanted prestige. They were jockeying and all, and all 12 disciples had an issue. Absolutely. But Jesus nipped that in the bud real quick by saying, you want to be great, serve. You want to be great, serve. You want to, you want your, your greatness to be measured. How, how, how willing and ready and able are you to serve? Because more often than not, we put ourselves, we, we, especially in, in the, and I'm talking to the body of believers, really, you know, we put ourselves in these positions of power and prestige because really and truly we're enamored by the lights. We're enamored by um, the number of people that are following us. We're enamored by the people who, you know, are willing to give to us, you know, and, and treat us like we're royalty. Like we, we talk a really good game about serving the Lord and I ain't knocking anybody who's saying that they really are. But for a lot of us, we see serving the Lord as when it's, when is it my time to shine? You know, we want our names on the placards and we want our pictures on the, on the, um, on the flyers to be known as these great celebrity pastors and these great celebrity bishops and these great celebrity leaders but in reality, we could, we can't, we can't, we can't handle the pressure of serving one another. You know, even our service nowadays seems to be a celebrity affair where we're just taking the pictures because, hey, I'm serving today, LOL. And so we got to be ever so careful that our heart's posture is not one of trying to be served or trying to be, you know, trying to be put in a spotlight, but rather that we make ourselves of no reputation and serve one another 
as God has served us, as, as Christ has served us, as Christ has given his life for us. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here on TikTok Live with your boy Eddie D. We're live Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you so much for the 482 likes that we have received so far. Going to jump back down into these comments and see what's going on in here. Um, JR in the box said, why can't you just find a better God? Um, the reason being is because there is no greater God than God. Um, you know... Search high, low, in and out. There is no better God. Like there, it's really that simple. Um, we, there, there is nobody greater. Um, we, 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 we can look everywhere, and try everything, and there just is no greater God than God. Uh, matter of fact, there's this dude named Solomon, greatest king in all the world, who recognize that himself he said starting in chapter 1 vanity of vanities says the preacher and I did this in a um, British accent yesterday not feeling very British today but now that I'm thinking about it I think I'm going to go for it again vanity of vanities says the preacher got something in my eye hold on Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by the, all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation comes and a generation goes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the winds return. All streams run to the sea. But the sea is not full to the place where the streams flow. There they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has all been, it's been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem. And I applied my heart to seek and search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, it is all vanity and a striving after wind, what is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me, and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind. For in much wisdom and much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. 
my heart and guiding, still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted them in all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which the water, the floors, the forest for glorying trees. I brought male and female servants and had slaves who were brought, who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep them from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended, extended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity, and a striving after the wind. There was nothing to be gained under the sun. So I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. Then I saw that there is more gain in wisdom than in folly as there is more gain in light than in darkness. The wise person has his eyes and his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Yet I perceive that the same event happens to all of them. Then I said in my heart, what happens to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this is also vanity. For the wise, for of the wise as of the fool, there is no enduring remembrance, seeing that in the days to come, all will have been long forgotten. Otherwise dies just like the fool. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me for all is vanity and a striving after wind. I hated all my toil in which I toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be a wise or a fool, yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and use my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to desire, I mean to despair, over all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This is also vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun for all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This is also vanity. There is nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God for apart from him who can eat or who can have enjoyment. For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and striving after the wind. A lot of vanity. A lot of striving after the wind. This is why we can't find a better God. Going to verse 11 of chapter 3. God has put eternity into man's heart. 
yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. There is nothing in this world that can satisfy us better than God himself. God has built in an eternal hole in our souls that nothing can satisfy. So there is no other God that can be better than God because nothing else can satisfy the longings of the soul. When, when the designer of the universe has built in an eternal longing for him, there is nothing else that can satisfy that longing but the eternal God. <clears throat> he built that in us. As the image bearers of God, the ones that he created after his own image and after his own likeness, he built in a desire for him, a hunger for him, a thirsting for him, that, no, that nothing else in this world has the power to quench. Nothing else has the power to satisfy. We can try it for a time, but after a while, we find ourselves just running back to that same thing, chasing the first high and never getting that high again. Having to do more, having to do harder, having to do, you know, um, more frequently, much riskier in an attempt to try to satisfy the longings of the soul. You know, some of us will use, you know, climbing the, the, the ladder of success in an attempt to try to satisfy the longings of the soul. And no matter how high we climb, we always feel like there's something else that we have to conquer. If anyone's been paying attention to Elon Musk, that is a man who is striving for to be successful at all costs. He doesn't care who he has to hurt. He doesn't care who he has to burn. He doesn't care what he has to tear down in order to feel like he's successful. Again, I'm just a fruit inspector. I don't know whether the man is a part of the kingdom or not. But based on just a fruit inspection, he's a man that is torn and tormented by this incessant need to be known for something and to be successful at something. And so every time he fails at something, he goes and finds something else to be successful at. You know, Donald Trump, God bless that man's soul, is the same way. A man who has failed time and time again after one thing, after another, after another, is always trying to be successful in the eyes of people. And so he's always looking for something to be successful at so that he can claim himself to be a winner. He's always calling himself a winner. He's always calling himself not defeated, always calling himself that he's more, that he's better than everybody else. That's a man tormented. Again, I don't know the man's heart. I don't know whether he's going to heaven or hell, but I'm a fruit inspector. And that is a man that is tortured and tormented by a desire to be known for something great. And everything that he touches turns into ash. And again, his desire to be known for something and to have people laud over him and praise him for how great and awesome and amazing he is, that, that it, he, 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 do, he, he does that at the expense of his own soul and in the, the souls of people around him. Um, but he's trying to climb this ladder of success so badly that he'll say whatever he needs to say in order to continue to fund his desire to be known for something fantastic. You know, history will not look upon him kindly when it's all said and done. 
And yet he's constantly trying to find that thing that he can be successful at so that he can then be, he can then, you know, say, I've done something, I've achieved something. And even if he's got to lie about what he's done, he's going to do that in order to feel like he, he matters and that he's done something fantastic. All of us um, have something that we're chasing after that we feel is going to satisfy the longings of the soul. You know, some people, again, they use their jobs to do it. Some people use titles to do it. Some people try to use success to do it, and they'll burn the whole world down just so they can say that they're successful. Some people want a good time as a, as a, try, as a means of trying to satisfy the longings of the soul. And so they'll turn to sex. They'll turn to one-night stands. They'll turn to orgies. They'll turn to, you know... Um, you know, any means of trying to, you know, make themselves feel good. They'll turn to pornography. They'll turn to masturbation. They'll turn to multiple partners. They'll turn to poly polyamory. They'll turn to polyandry. They'll turn to polygamy. They'll turn to all these different ways, you know, it, um, to, to feel satisfied in their, in their flesh as an attempt to try to satisfy the longings of the soul. Some people will turn to drugs. They'll turn to alcohol as a means of trying to satisfy the longings of the soul. And so they'll numb their feelings. They'll numb their emotions or they'll hype their feelings or hype their emotions. They'll numb themselves in such a way to where they feel absolutely nothing so that way they can go through the day and do the things they want to do all in an attempt to satisfy the longings of the soul. Some people will turn to, you know, their, their toys. And so some people will turn to their PlayStation 5s and their Xbox um, Ones and their um and, and their Nintendo Switches in an attempt to just drown out the noise and just find themselves locked into a fantasy where they feel like they're winning something because in life they're not, they're not winning as much as they would like to. And they'll get sucked into a fantasy and they'll forget living in reality all in an attempt to satisfy the longings of the soul. Some people will turn to relationships and they'll try to get with this guy, get with this girl, and they want to be in love so badly that they'll do whatever it is that their partner wants them to do just as long as they don't leave me, as long as they don't let me go, as long as they don't tear, as long as they don't get away from me, as long as they stay with me, don't leave me, don't go away. They'll do whatever they have to do in order to keep that relationship to satisfy the longings of of the soul. There are people who turn to self-help books and they'll turn to self-help gurus. They'll turn to, you know, the Oprah's of the world and the Esther Perils of the world and the Bessel Vandercooks of the world. And they'll try so badly to find the new spiritual age thing. They'll turn to sage. They'll turn to crystals. They'll turn to um yoga. They'll turn to um to Enneagram. They'll turn to, you know, um to psychics and all these other things in an attempt to satisfy the longings of the soul. They want so badly for their souls to be healed that they'll turn to all these different things in an attempt to satisfy something um, um, that, that nothing in this world can. They'll, they'll turn to vacations, y'all. We, we turn to, you know, I got, I'm living for the weekend. I'm living for the weekend. I'm living for the weekend. I can't wait to go on this trip. I can't get, wait to go on that trip. I want to go here. I want to go there. I want to go here. I want to go there. And all the while, they can never satisfy the longings of the soul. So they got a whole portfolio um and scrapbook of all these places that they've traveled to and yet they're never satisfied because just as soon as they not even while they're on not even while they, they've only been on the trip for a couple of days they're already planning the next three trips in an attempt to satisfy the longings of the soul in order to feel like they're doing something that matters to them in order to feel like they are satisfied in some type of way 
Some people turn to exercise and they want the perfect body, the perfect shape. They turn, they, they, they want to, you know, they want to get in shape and they want so badly to feel like they're healthy and to feel like they're fit so that they can take the Instagram pictures so that people can then give them the likes because, Ooh, girl, you got a good body. Ooh, girl, you got a nice butt. Ooh, girl, you got nice abs or, Oh my God, dude, you got such ripped six pack abs. Oh my God, you got such great guns. Oh my God, how are you doing this? Oh my God, how are you doing that? And some people, People are so desperate to do that that they won't even exercise and do it the healthy way. They'll go and get surgery and get the BBLs and get the plastic surgery in order to look like what they see on TV, to try to look like the superstars and the supermodels of the world and, you know, and it wants so badly to be viewed and ogled and, oh my God, oh my, oh, you look so good. Oh my God, can I get your number and all this other type of stuff in an attempt to satisfy the longings of the soul. We do all of these things in an attempt to find a God. And the question being asked is, why can't you just find a better God? Because there is none. All of us have tried. All of us who are believers in God have tried to find another God and we couldn't find one. (laughs) Some of us even tried religion. Let me just clean my act up. Let me just clean myself up. Let me get rid of all my dirt and do all the good stuff and then God will love me. We tried religion. Religion didn't work. We, the, the rules, they are, they're, 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 we tried to balance the scales. The scales that don't even exist. There are no scales. We tried that and it didn't work. The only thing that works is Jesus. So why can't we find another God? Because there isn't one. We tried. That's the whole point of the relationship that we have with God is that we searched in every corner of the universe and we hadn't found a single thing that compares to the majesty and the splendor of God. Some of us even you tried to use the stars in astrology. It didn't work. It didn't work. The only God that works is God. And that's why we can't find a better one because we literally have tried everything else and nothing can satisfy the longings of an eternal soul. And God designed us that way so that no matter where we go, it's never going to be enough. It's never going to be enough. Even if you feel like you have everything that you could ever ask for, there will always be this gnawing feeling inside your soul that is saying to you, this ain't enough. Yeah, there's some happy people in this world who don't have a walk with God. I know some of them. Some very, very happy people in this world. And every so often, they'll call me and talk to me and be like, I'm just not feeling it today. I don't know. Everything's going good. I mean, I've got a good job, good relationship. You know, the marriage is fine. The kids are fine. You know, nothing's nothing's wrong. I just just don't I'm not feeling it today. That gnawing feeling in the pit of our souls sometimes is telling us, yeah, you, you got it good, but it ain't all good. You're still neglecting the most important part of you. And nothing in this world is going to get you where you need to be. 
And so again, that's why we don't we can't find another God. There is no other God. There is no better God than God. It's why God tells us, you shall have no other gods before me. Because no other God can satisfy the longings of the soul like God can. And we would be wise to not try any other God but God. But so is life. Even as us believers, we sometimes dibble and dabble with these other gods in an attempt to see if there's something better out there. We ain't no better than Adam and Eve. Always thinking we know better than God in some intrinsic kind of way. And God has to lovingly remind us, nope, you thought you were right, but you're not. But come on back home. Come on back home, prodigal. It's okay. It's okay. I haven't forgotten about you. I haven't abandoned you. You're still mine. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here with your boy, Eddie D. Uh, we are here live Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for the 491 likes that we've received today. Um, let's see. This dude, let me decline that real quick. Thank you. And we're going to scroll down. Um, um, Ashai said that I'm struggling with being delivered from some addictions it makes me doubt my salvation at time at times um if you're still here um um i de definitely understand where you're coming from with that um a lot of us sometimes thank you Andre smith appreciate you um sometimes we can feel like you know because we're still going through our issues and still going through our problems and still going through our struggles um that we you know must not have a relationship with god um trust me when i say Every Christian struggles with sin. Some of us struggle more than others, but all of us struggle with sin. Um, and so God hasn't forgotten about you. God has not abandoned you. We have to remember that God never leaves us. We may leave him, but he never leaves us. And as a result, if we can, re if we can re rely on, lean on the Holy Spirit that lives in us, the Holy Spirit's job is to remind us of the finished work of Jesus Christ, to rem to convict us of our sin. You know, we got some addictions. We we okay. You you need to let that stuff go, but then the comfort comes in that says, "But don't count yourself out of the kingdom. If Christ saved you, if Christ changed you, if Christ redeemed you." You don't even have the power to pull yourself out of his hand. You don't have that power. If you are his, you are his. We can sometimes wander like the prodigal son. We can sometimes wander and be like, dude, you know, I, um, I, you know, I just can't, I can't let this thing go. We might wander sometimes, but he doesn't deny us. We're still his sons. We're still his daughters. He doesn't abandon us just because we walk out on him. You know, and when we come to our senses, as the prodigal son did, God shows us and reminds us, oh, shoot, I got a, I got a heavenly father who loves me. I got a heavenly father who's there for me. I got a heavenly father who cares about my cares about the state of my soul. I should go back to him. I should run back to him. And that's what the Holy Spirit's job is, is to remind us of that. God hadn't forgotten about you. God hadn't forgotten about your struggle. God hadn't forgotten about your issues. God hadn't forgotten about your problems. And as a result, you know, we should be willing, we should be willing and ready to, um, willing and able to run back to the Savior, 
to run back to the Savior. And the and we can do that because Christ died for that. Christ died for all of your addictions. Christ died for all of your issues. Christ died for all of your struggles. Christ died for all of your problems. And so you don't have to fear and you don't have to fret, you know, whether or not you're whether or not you're a, a Christian. You are a Christian. You are you are a part of the kingdom. If Christ, if you believe in the Son, if you believe in your heart in the Son of God, and that God wrote and God rose Jesus from the dead, and you confess that with your mouth, you are saved. Because it takes the Holy Spirit to to believe it with your heart. You can confess it all day long, but to believe it with your heart, you know that takes the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit's given that to you, then you are saved according to our scriptures. You know, you don't have to clean yourself up before you become a part of the kingdom. Being a part of the kingdom gives you the power to be able to then walk out by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, the sins, the sins that you the sins that you've been um that you've been dealing with and the addictions that you've been dealing with. So you don't have to fear and you don't have to fret whether or not, you know, God um God has has left you or not. He hadn't left you. He hadn't left you, he hadn't forsaken you. And so you can rest in the comfort of knowing uh, my sister, that you are still a part of the kingdom. And so now as it pertains to your addictions, you know, you know, we, everybody goes through a struggle. We do not have to struggle alone. So what are you doing in, a, in what are you doing to help yourself get through and move past those addictions? You know, are you going to therapy? Are you going to counseling? Are you going to rehab? Are you talking, you know, with, uh, with, um, some accountability partners, you know, are you going to group? Are you, you know, what are you doing to make sure that you're putting yourself in the best position to not fall into diverse temptations? Because God gives us a way of escape. We just have to take it. We have to take it. And we gotta, if we gotta take it every minute of every day until it gets easier to de to not, you know, to not deal in our addictions, we gotta do what we gotta do. But know that you are empowered by our Holy Spirit who is ready, willing, and able to give you the strength and the courage and the will to do whatever needs to be done. Even if that courage and will is just to get on the phone and tell somebody, hey, I am struggling right now. Can you sit with me? So again, you know, that that is how it goes hand in hand. You know, whatever your struggle is, whatever your addictions are, whatever you got going on, you know, you are not alone in this. You got an army of brothers and sisters who are ready and ready and willing to stand in the gap with you. Um, and I really and I hope that you're still on here. Uh, but if not, you know, I'm going to DM you um, to, you know, talk to you about this um, and hope that you receive it. Um, because again, you are not alone. You are not alone in the struggle. You are not alone in the fight. All of us have something that we've had to deal with in the in terms of having to, you know, let something go in order to follow Christ more deeply and more honestly. Um, and so you're not alone in this. And we and we and we are ready and willing to help in any way that we can to get you to where you need to be. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show right here with your boy Eddie D. We're live Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we're grateful for the 504 likes that we have, um, um, that we are, um, you know, with you, that we're glad that we're with you and glad that you've given us this opportunity to be able to, um, share, um, God with you, um, on today. Um, let's see. Um, so somebody, um, named blank blank said, God scores lots of touchdowns, but can't seem to stop abortions. Um, so as I, be, as I mute this person, even though it doesn't really matter at this point, I don't think this person's watching anymore. So it doesn't even really matter. 
um, you know, um, you know, that's a people thing. That's not a God thing. That's a sin thing. That's not a God thing. Both in the act, depending upon whether or not they're, you know, acting in, um, you know, in holy matrimony or whether they're married or not and them going to, you know, the clinics and doing what they're doing with the kids. You know, that's, that's not, that's not a God thing. That's a human thing, a consequence of the fall, a consequence of sin, you know, so, you know, you know, God is the orchestrator of all things, sure, but, you know, that's a consequence of the fall, that's not God's doing, as you are, you know, blasphemously saying in that, in that statement, um, let's see. This is this is just humans talking. Always has been humans talking. God is literally saying, "Come back to Him." Um, okay. Um, see if there's anything else. Um, doesn't look like there's anything else going on in the chat box today. <laughs> Make sure I didn't miss anything from earlier. Feel free to drop down in that comment box if you have any questions or concerns. I'm going back through the comments now to see if there's anything um, that I might have missed earlier. Let's see. I'm trying to see. Lady Questfire and Ravenfrost were having a conversation earlier. Um, saying, if he's all-powerful and connected to all, then isn't he an absentee for... Okay, I don't, I don't understand that question. Um, so, okay. Um, so since there's nothing else in the comment box, um, I'm going to rehash a conversation that, you know what? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. What I am going to do instead is talk to you guys about a, um, a conversation that a client and I had, um, a couple of days ago about vulnerability and manipulation. Um, one of the things that, one of the dangers, um, of our walk with God and, um, and, and our growing in our knowledge of him, um, is the fact that for a lot of us, um, we can sometimes, okay, well, let me, let me, let me, let me process this because, uh, wasn't expecting to talk about it today, um, but here we are. The the feeling of vulnerability is one of the most underrated and powerful feelings that we can feel as a people. The ability to be vulnerable with somebody is one of the greatest feelings in the world to know that I can be my whole self with someone 
and can, you know, not have to hide, not have to sugarcoat, not have to keep things away, but I can be truly myself, flaws and all, with another person is one of the greatest feelings in the world. It's one of the greatest feelings in the world. And my client and I were talking about that um, in light of the fact that she was, you know, she just got out of a relationship where she felt like she couldn't be herself at all and has been growing and learning more and more about who she is as a person. And as she's learning and growing more and more about who she is as a person and really falling in love with herself, um, not in, a, um, in an idolatrous way, um, but in a very, you know, healthy love others as you would have as you love yourself kind of way. Um, this guy she started talking to really made her feel like she could be herself. And it was one of the best feelings that she ever had in the world. And it made her long for and yearn to be with him. And she felt like she was moving too fast because she's like, dude, this man makes me feel like, you know, um, like I can just be myself and I can just be me and I can just, you know, be, you know, I, I, I just, I just. I just want to be around him. I just want to be in his presence. I just want to talk to him. I just want to be with him. I just want to be around him. And as she was talking to me about that, I started thinking about the character and the nature of the relationship that we have with God in so much that when we feel like God, when we, so God knows us better than we know ourselves. You know, he formed us in our, in, in, in our mother's womb. Even before we were formed there, he knew us. Like, he knows us beyond time. Knows our in and out. Knows our day to day. Knows where we are at any given moment. You know, knows where we're going. Knows, no, he knows all this stuff about us. He sees us in a way that no one else can. And when we tap into the fact that he sees us more and better than anyone else can, we literally become undone. In basking in the glow of knowing that God sees us and God knows us. And he's not judging us for what he sees and knows by virtue of Christ having credited his righteousness to us as the believers in God. And the feeling of vulnerability is such to where it should produce in us a longing to be connected to God all the time that we should want to be around him should want to talk with him to want to desire you know more of him to delight in him to be in you know in awe of him in every way shape and form that the more that he get he the more that we know that he knows us the more that we open ourselves up to you know who he is and what he does for us in our lives the more we open up our hearts and allow him to see, well, uh, uh, know, open up our hearts to him and know that he sees everything in us, the more undone we become as he's molding and shaping us into his likeness. I said to her, it's interesting and fascinating that you're describing him, this guy that you want to be with the way that you are, because that's the type of relationship that God has with us. And what I find is that for a lot of us, we can't explain what that feeling is. 
And so we often will mistake the feeling of vulnerability for a romantic love, a romantic type of love. And we think that because this person sees me, this person hears me, this person knows me, this person understands me on such a deep level that that means that we're soulmates in the romantic sense. That this means that this is the person that I'm supposed to be with for the rest of my life. This is the person that I'm supposed to be, you know, just in the throes of passion for the rest of my life. And we will mistake the feeling of vulnerability for that type of love. And sometimes we'll put people in a position and a place that they were never meant to be in in our lives. Whether we're making them into be, you know, the boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife that we want them to be because I can just be myself around this person. It just feels so good. And we end up manipulating them into loving us by virtue of feeling like I just, but you know, we're just so connected on so many different ways. You know, we're meant to be, it's destiny for us to be together. I want to spend more time with you and I want to be with you and I want you to be with me and I want us to be together. And all the while this person saying, but bruh, I don't like you like that. Like I, I love our friendship, but we're not meant to be you know, we're not, we're not meant to be together in this way. You know, I told my, um, I told my client that, you know, there are so many friendships that are ruined, you know, in my, in my, in my, um, in my, um, high school and college days, so many great friendships that are ruined because I, you know, in the vulnerable state that I felt was just, um, just knew that this was supposed to be love. This was meant to be love. This is supposed to be a romantic love. And all the while, none of those were supposed to be that. They were all great, incredible friendships, but none of them were ever supposed to rise to the level of romantic love. And I ended up burning so many bridges because y'all won't love me, so we can't be friends. And it's like, I was, and so I destroyed those friendships because in my finite thinking, I couldn't see that vulnerability does not equate romantic love. Vulnerability feels really good, but it does not equate romantic love. Um... And then, um, and so, you know, um, and so instead of selling her, you know, I was trying to manipulate them into loving me the way that I wanted to be loved because they made me feel vulnerable. And I love that feeling so much that I got addicted to feeling vulnerable and I wanted that and I needed that and I craved that rather than recognizing that it feels good to be vulnerable feels good to have that but it does not mean that y'all y'all meant to spend the rest of the spend the rest of y'all lives together in a romantic relationship that's not what this is that's not what this is meant to be and and so i had to learn how to and it took till last year to really figure this mess out i had to learn that just because you can be vulnerable with somebody does not mean that that's um, that's meant to be a romantic relationship number one two your vulnerability there's layers and levels to this thing layers and levels to this thing the second point of vulnerability is that sometimes people will take our vulnerab- take advantage of our vulnerability. They will take advantage of the fact that, oh, this person, they, will, oh, they, 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 they feel a certain way about me. I can use that. I can get whatever I want from them because I, as long as I make them feel vulnerable and make them feel like they can share their, their heart with me and keep them dangling on by, uh, dangling, keep dangling the carrot in front of them, then I can get them to do whatever I want them to do. Because now I have the superpower of their vulnerable, of, of making them feel vulnerable 
And as a result, I can get them to do whatever I want them to do. And so sometimes we gift people with our vulnerability, but they take advantage of our vulnerability. And now we're stuck, addicted to the feeling that they give us in whatever fashion that addiction comes in, but un and unable to, un to untether ourselves from that person because they're manipulating us into staying. We feel so vulnerable. We feel they give they give us something that no that no one else can give us, and yet all the while they're treating our souls like trash, treating us like garbage. You know they're yeah, they're only they only want us around when they want us around. They don't really want to be around us like that. And so, again, as I was you know talking with her and ministering to her, you know we realized that the gift of vulnerability that God gives us is such an incredible and amazing feeling to be seen in our souls, to be known in our souls, to be loved in our souls. That is a, that is a godly feeling that God has given all of us and it should roll up to worship to God in so much that God sees us, God knows us and God loves us. Doesn't judge us. You know, there's no condemnation for those who love him. You know, we are, if we are, especially if we, you know, repent and believe, there's no condemnation coming for us. And so he sees us, but he doesn't judge us. He convicts us, but he comforts us. And there's no greater feeling than to know that the God of the universe loves us in such a way to where we're able to be one with him. And again, for a lot of us, we can take that same feeling of vulnerability and when we're out in the world and people allow us to be vulnerable, we can mistake that, that feeling of vulnerability for a romantic love. So I caution all of us today that as you are living the life that you're living and doing the things that you're doing, that you be, that be, that you be wise about your vulnerability. Be careful that you're not giving the wrong people the gift of your vulnerability. And be careful that the ones who you are giving your gift of vulnerability to, that you're not mistaking that vulnerability for romantic love. It feels good to be connected to people. No question, no doubt about that. But we got to be wary that we're not mistaking vulnerability and feeling seen, heard, loved, and safe for romanticism. We can romanticize vulnerability. We can romanticize safety. We can ro romanticize feeling heard. We can romanticize feeling seen. And if we're not careful, we'll put ourselves in relationships that we're never meant to be in. And we'll put people in positions of our life when it comes to our boundaries that they were never meant to be in. And as a result, we end, we end up doing more harm to ourselves, more harm to our souls and damaging relationships as a result of trying to put people in places that they were never meant to be in. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. Uh, we're here Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Grateful for the 505 likes that you've given us today. We're also grateful for the gifts that, and, that Andre Smith sent us today. Um, again, any dime that we receive through this um, live um, uh, is um, not going toward me. I don't make, I, I got my own job, make my own money, pay my own bills. Y'all are not paying bills. I'm not some NPC that's playing with a hot comb and licking the screen trying to get you to give me money. That is not what this is about. Um, but any gift that you do give, we apply it to our um, subscriptions to keep the website that we have, the truegospelministry.org uh, on, online, and um, to keep our um, 
our podcasts online as well. And so, um, you know, so that is what the money goes toward. But even if we don't make a dime off of this, those websites are still going to be up. The, the, the podcast is still going to be up. So you ain't even got to worry about that. We are thankful nonetheless for every gift that you've given. We're thankful for everything that you've said. Um, Adonis Pink has, um, has come back to us again to remind us that we are, that we're um, living in a fairy tale. Um, and so we're grateful to Adonis Pink for coming on and, 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 and reminding us of that again, as always. Um, but again, we're thankful to you guys from the bottom of my heart, um, for every dime that you give, for every opportunity that we have to be able to serve you guys through the gift of the teachings of Jesus Christ. And so I just want to, again, reiterate to you guys as I re as I iterated yesterday, um, despite how many likes we get, despite how many people are viewing, despite, you know, whatever it is that we're, you know, talking about, despite the comments that come through the comment box, I am grateful to each and every one of you for taking the opportunity to, um, to spend a little bit of time with me. You literally could be watching anything else right now. You could be watching any, any person could be listening to any preacher, teacher, um, you could be listening to or watching any person who, you know, has, you know, big boobs and, you know, is, you know, getting ready in the morning and all that type of stuff. And, you know, with singing your heart silly and all that type of stuff. But you decide from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. to spend a little bit of time with your boy uh, as we talk about the Lord and all that he's done for us. I don't take that lightly. I don't take that for granted. And, and I, and I, you know, and I make it my, um, mission to ensure that I'm giving you guys the best truth that I, that I have. Um, you know, I, I thank God that he, you know, gives us grace and I thank God that he gives us the opportunity to be able to spit truth and knowledge with one another and that I can share with you what God has given to me. Um, and I thank you all for spending some time with me because again, you know, y'all could be anywhere else. But you're spending time listening to me talk about the Lord and all his goodness and all his greatness and everything that he's done for us and everything that he means to us. And I could not be happier um, to, you know, to be here with you guys and to share this truth and knowledge. And so from the bottom of my heart, a sincere thank you to everyone who has watched, everyone who has followed, everyone who has liked, everyone who has commented. Even the trolls that get on here and the ones who are so gung-ho on making sure that I'm reminded that I'm following a fairy tale. I thank God for each and every one of you because you literally could be somewhere else listening to somebody else do anything else and say anything else. And yet you thought it not robbery to come here for a little bit of your time to come and talk to me and to come and sit and listen to me. Um, talk about the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for us. So again, from the bottom of my heart, I thank you guys so, so much. Um, I'm grateful and I know we got five more minutes, but I'm going to go ahead and cut this show short today. Um, and, um, I'll be on until I get, until I finish uploading the show, but thank you guys so, so much from the bottom of my heart for watching the true gospel morning show on today. I'm grateful for each and every one of you who has come through and I hope you guys come back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. as we enjoy, um, more, you know, gospel truth as always. If you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.